Well, here we are. We're, we're in the final part of our series, Revealing the Unchanging God. Revealing the Unchanging God. This series is about knowing who God is because how well you know God determines how you relate to God. Like if you've got an image of God, that God is just there up there waiting for you to make a mistake so he can come down and, and uh, I don't know, throw some lightning bolts, then your relationship with God is, um, is, 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 can be kind of um, challenged. And so this series is about like, who is God? What is his character? Can we, de- lie, can we rely on God? Can we depend on God? So I want to begin by asking this question. Do you know any reliable people? Do you know any reliable people? Do you, do, do you have someone in your life that you trust, that you, you know they've got your back? There's someone that you can go up to and, and, and uh, you, you ask them for help or whatever it is. And without hesitation, they're there. Do, do you have any people in your life? Maybe you're thinking, oh, you know, that's my dad. Or maybe you're here thinking, that's definitely not my dad <laughs> or whatever. But who are those people? And let me ask you another question. How do, how, how do you know they're reliable? How do you know they're reliable? Did they come up to you and say, hey, hi, my name is Bob, and I'm reliable. And you go, okay, Bob, thank you so much. Could you look after my kids? Okay. You know? No, that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen at all. The reason why you know they're reliable is because, because you have relationship with them, and there's a bit of a track history. And it's proven over time. It's not like blind trust, but it's proven. And that's what faithfulness is is all about. And we've had people come up and, and declare so good because like this is what this message is about, faithfulness. Because we all know people who are not reliable. We, we all know people who are not truthful. We all know people who have let us down. And with some, for some of us in this room, we find it hard to trust people. Because you trusted someone before, you gave them ample of opportunities, and they continue to let you down. And so now you struggle to even trust someone. Maybe you're that person. I don't know what it is for you, but what does it mean to be faithful? You know, when, when the biblical writers begin to describe who God is, they consistently, consistently describe God like this in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. Yahweh, Yahweh, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loyal love and faithfulness. And this is the most quoted verse throughout the Old Testament, quoting who God is. That we can trust in God, that He that that He is compassionate, that He is gracious, that He is slow to anger, that His loyal love abounds, and He is faithful. So we're going to take a look at the last of God's characteristics: faithfulness. What does that even mean? What does this word even mean? In fact, the Hebrew word for faithfulness is the Hebrew word emet. Everyone say emet, emet, faithfulness, and so that can be translated as truth. To be true, to be steadfast, to be reliable, to be stable. And it's related, related to another Hebrew word that you often use. It's the word amen. The word amen literally means that is truth. That's what amen means. It's an it's a untranslated Hebrew word. So I don't know if, you know if you knew this, but you've been speaking Hebrew for a long time. Whenever you ended your prayer, you're actually speaking Hebrew. Amen. Amen. And if you're, uh, if you're American, amen, amen. But amen is more closer to the Hebrew, amen. That is truth. And when you hear something and someone says something that stirs you up, they go, amen, brother, amen, amen, sister. And you're saying, that is truth. That is truth, amen, amen. 
<laughs> and, and so this word, so faithfulness means to be truthful, to be steady, to be reliable, to be stable, and it's different to loyal love. Because we think, well, faithfulness, loyal love, aren't they kind of the same thing? Well, they're not the same thing. They're related, but they're not the same thing. Loyal love is motivated by deep personal care. It's motivated by deep personal care. Where faithfulness is steady. It's constant. It does not require compassion. It's like this chair. This chair is faithful. This chair is not motivated by compassion because in its essence, it's stable. And, I, and it's proven its faithfulness because in the last 17 years, it has never failed me. Whenever I sit on this chair, it holds me. I can trust in this chair. It's not, it's not motivated by compassion. It is stable. And so faithfulness, that God is faithful. He's not like, well, I'm going to learn to become faithful. He is faithful. He is stable. He is consistent. And he is constant. We can always trust in who he is. And, and, and which is why Moses calls God, calls God a rock, that God is the rock, because God is stable. It's steady. He met. He, it's, biblical faith isn't blind. It's not blind faith. Oh, you just got to believe. No, it's proven. God proves it time and time again. Just like you don't trust someone blindly. It's proven. You've got relationship. It comes out of relationship. There's a track record and there's been some kind of consistency. So in Scripture, the first person that, that, that the Bible considers um, as trustworthy, in fact, well, the, the first people to come across who considers God to be trustworthy is Abraham. The Bible where, uh, is the first thing we come across where God considers God to be trustworthy. God comes to Abraham and Sarah and promises that they're going to have a huge family, which is really interesting because when God says that to Abraham, he's 65 years old. Sarah is 55 years old and she's been barren all her life. God said, you're going to have a huge family. And goes, really? Well, I mean, last week we had uh, um, Elliot get up with his wife, Terumi, and he announces, we're having a baby. And everyone's kind of shocked. Because they're in their fifties, and he starts laughing. No, no, no. We're just having. A, just ha I'm just trying to talk like Elliot. We've just been married for about a year. But I'm like, hey, if God could do it for Abraham, who knows? Watch the space with Elliot and Terumi next year. Uh, so, <laughs> as Abraham was a hundred years old when they had the baby, Sarah was ninety. Come on, anyone want a baby? <laughs> that God is trustworthy. God proved it. He says, Abraham. You're going to have a huge family. And through your family, the nations of the world, the families of the world are going to be blessed. They're going to be blessed through you. In fact, let's have a look at this. Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Through you, they will all be blessed, which is really interesting. Genesis chapter 12, God's blessing Abraham. And he said, through you, I'm going to bless the nation. Why? Why is God doing that? Because when we go to the chapter earlier, chapter 11, humanity rebel against God. They don't trust God. In fact, humanity give God the middle finger. And they build the Tower of Babel. And they go after their own gods. We don't want you anymore. See, humanity may be... Uh, we may have lost faith in God, but God never loses faith in humanity because we come to the next chapter and God says, Abraham, through you, the nations of the world, they may have rejected me, 
but I have not rejected them. God never rejects you. And he says, through your family, the nations of the world will be blessed. And God proved he met. He showed faithfulness to Abraham and Sarah because in just four generations, their descendants become the children of Israel, becomes a nation. That's why it's good to pray for Israel, especially during this time. I will bless those who bless you. May you bless Israel during this time. Difficult time during this time, and media just works things up into a frenzy. It's the way the enemy works. When you look at Israel and the challenges they've had since the inception, about wherever they go, they, God blesses them, and then everyone wants them out. That's another story. Let's carry on, shall we? God shows his faithfulness. And then through Israel begins their journey, where we begin to read the narrative in Scripture, a king rises who totally trusts in God, who totally relies on God. In fact, the Bible says that he walks in a met before God, and his, his name is King David. The King David totally trusts in God, so much so that he considers God to be faithful, that he responds with faithfulness. That God is faithful, I'm going to respond with faithfulness, which is why God promises to raise up a faithful descendant of David, makes a promise with David that, that your kingdom, your descendants, this kingdom will, will endure forever. God makes a promise to Abraham, says through you, you'll be blessed and the nations of the world will be blessed. Makes a promise to King David that through your descendants, his kingdom will endure for, forever. This faithful king will become the source of trust and stability for others forever. This is God's promise, big promise. 2 Samuel 7, verse 12. For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offsprings, and I will make his kingdom strong. Verse 16. Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time, and your throne will be secure forever. That's a big promise that God is making to one person. But then as we begin to, to continue the narrative in the story, what we find is that Israel rebel against God. They're not blessing the nations. In fact, the kings that follow King David lead the nation into idolatry. And so now the Israelites find themselves in exile. No home and no king. And they begin to wonder, is God admit? Is God faithful? We've got no land. We've got no king. In fact, the psalmist in Psalms 89 verse 49 writes this, O God, where is your loyal love that you swore to David in your faithfulness, in your emet? Where is your loyal love? You said you're faithful, but here we are. There is no blessing. We've got no land. We've got no king. Where are you? And they begin to accuse God for abandoning them and leaving them in their distress. He said, where are the promises you gave to Abraham? Where are the promises you gave to David? So is God trustworthy? Is he faithful after all? What does it look like to trust God when your world has been turned upside down because of some diagnosis like cancer? What's it like to trust God when someone you love is killed in a car accident? What's it like to trust in God when you lose your job? What's it like to trust God when your marriage is failing? When your kids have abandoned you? I've been praying for my kids 
since the time they were born. Where are they? God, where are you? You said you'll have their back. Is God trustworthy? Where are you, Lord? When we, th- when we find it difficult to trust God, that's right, like in Psalms 89. When we find it difficult to trust God in the darkest moments of our stories, we are, we are invited to follow the example of the psalmist. We too can come to God with our despair, our questions, and our anger and confusion. It's okay to have doubt. See, doubt is not unbelief. It's okay to come with doubt before God and begin to work out your faith with fear and trembling. See, Israel was called to bless the nations. Israel was God's rescue plan. Genesis 11, humanity gives the fingers to God. So God's rescue plan was Israel, was Abraham. But what happens when Israel needs saving? It's like the fire truck that's on its way to rescue. And all of a sudden it goes off the road and falls in a, uh, uh, in a ditch. And now the fire truck needs rescuing. How is God going to stay true? How is God going to stay true to his promises to Abraham, to King David? How is God going to rescue the world through, through the family of Abraham? And when we get to the New Testament, the book of Matthew opens like this. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. What the gospel writers are claiming is that Jesus is the faithful Israelite. That Jesus is the promised king. That Jesus is the one to unite all people to become part of Abraham's family. In other words, God's faithfulness to his people is, is accomplished through Jesus. God's faithfulness to his people is accomplished through Jesus. That's why the, when we begin to read the Gospel of Matthew from chapter 1 to chapter 7, Jesus begins to reenact the story of Israel. What do we find when, when Jesus is born, the Christmas story we know so well? Is that all of a sudden, uh, Mary and Joseph have to escape to, to, to Egypt and exile until King Herod dies, and then they come back to the promised land. When God calls, when the Spirit of God calls um, Jesus and, he, and, he, and he's baptized in the Jordan River. There's another story of the Israelites crossing through the Jordan River into the promised land. Now God calls Jesus to be baptized in the Jordan River. And then he's led into the wilderness for how many days? 40. 40 days. Why 40? Because Israel were, was tested in the wilderness for 40 years. So, so Jesus begins to step in and begins to reenact what's going on. And just as, as God gave the Torah, the law to Moses on Mount Sinai, you find Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 speaking this freshness of law and Torah. Begin to, say, begin to teach what's known as the Beatitude. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Jesus calls the 12, like the 12 tribes of Israel. He sends out the 70, like calling back the nations. That Jesus begins to relive Israel's story in his own body all the way to the cross. That Jesus understands 
your pain. He understands your sorrow. He understands your fears. So what does this mean for us? It means that we don't have to pretend that everything is going well. We don't have to pretend to be at peace when we're not. See, God is not angry at us for asking why. Why, Lord? He's not angry when you ask. He invites us in. And that's what the book of Psalms does. That we have real emotions that God says, come to me. I'm not afraid of doubt. Come to me. Bring those questions before me. He's not annoyed by our tears. We can trust God with our broken pieces. And as the psalmist, when you read Psalms 89 and 90, it shows us that in the midst of our pain, we can remember God's goodness. We can recall the works, the, His character and His promises over our lives. We can trace His faithfulness throughout our own history. We can remember how he is, that He is worthy to be trustworthy. That He is reliable, that He is steadfast, that He is the unchanging rock. And these Psalms that we read, that we see that in crying out, it's an example of trust. When you cry out, when you ask God questions, it's an example of trusting God. When it feels like my faith is going through the ringer. You ever been there before? You feel like it's going through the ringer. When God feels so distant that you're trying to pray to Him and it feels like your prayers are just hitting some ceiling and falling to the ground. And then you begin to remember, as you begin to reflect on your life, that how God came through over here. And it came through for your mom over there, and you came through for over, and you begin to actually, God has been reliable. Because sometimes when you're in the middle of a storm, you can't see God. But when you come through the storm, you're looking back and you realize God was in it all along. He was in it all along. See, what if. Strength always comes from pain. What if the strength always comes from pain? When you go to the gym, you work out, and all of a sudden you're in a sense of pain, but the more you go through that pain, you get stronger. In fact, the, the, some of the most strongest people, you know, I'm not talking about physically, emotionally stable, and they've gone through stuff. Some of the strongest people, you know, they've, I can guarantee you, they've been through some stuff, they've been through some hurts. They've been let down. They've been through all sorts. And yet they remain faithful because God has been faithful. Some of you are facing situations today that is full of great pain. But you know, you can rename that pain. You can rename that doubt. You can rename that sorrow. The tears you are crying today will water the seas that will bring you something great tomorrow. Because today's pain is your strength for tomorrow. Today's doubt is your strength for tomorrow. Today's worry is your strength for tomorrow. And when you, when you begin to look through, the God was in it all along. You know, our first Sunday in this building, we're praying for Puro's grandniece. Um, here's a picture. We can put that picture off. This is... Puro's grand, um, grandniece, Mana. 
on first Sunday in this building, we we're praying for. So Puddle's niece um, in the Cook Island, that's where her and her husband lives, her water breaks at 23 weeks. They're medevaced here to New Zealand in emergency C-section. Baby Mun is born at 24 weeks. This is what a baby looks like at 24 weeks. And we're praying, and, and there was a lot of questions. I'm not just to the doctors, but to God. Why? Lord, where are you? Where are you when, we're, when we've got our child who's suffering? Where are you? And this child's been, this, through, through this, this child had lung infections, meningitis, you name it, this child's been through it. And they've had all these questions. God, where are you? You said you're going to be with us. And they, and, and they began to cry out to God. Last week, we, we caught up for lunch with this couple. And we went and visited a baby. This is baby Mana today. There she is. This is baby Mana at 34 weeks. This is what a baby looks like 34 weeks. Baby Mana is supposed to be in mummy's tummy. Not so baby Mana. I was thinking, oh my gosh. That's what you carry inside of you? God, hats off to all the mums out there. I'm carrying something, but it's not a baby. It's about to give birth. It's a, it's a vision of God. Anyway, I carry on. Baby mana. I was taking, this is me taking a photo of baby mana. Touching baby mana. I was just, oh my goodness, 34 weeks. The baby, she yawns, stretches, and I was going, wow. Baby mana is beautiful. And, and we're having lunch with them. And they're sharing and they're crying. They're saying, you know what? Going through the, this is the hardest times of our lives, but we could see God moving. When we were in it, we couldn't see it. But here we are, 34 weeks later, we see God's hand. This doctor wasn't meant to be and they're there. This person, he was supposed to be away, but they're there. God was in it all along. Baby's only still 34 weeks. They're not out of it, but they're in some of the, the fears. There's some, some issues going on, but they're going, you know what? We trust in God. He's a met. He's reliable. So, come on, let's give a hand for the Lord. Praise God. Today's pain is your strength for tomorrow. Church, we're going to have communion. And as the team begins to hand out the emblems, communion is remembering what Jesus has done for us. Communion is remembering God's faithfulness to his people as accomplished through Jesus. And Jesus said, look, whenever you gather, remember me. I love James 4 verse 8. It says this, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. This is emit. This is faithfulness. This is consistent. God is consistent. And we can be tempted to think that God, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Why did he leave? Why did he go in the first place? So I've got to draw near to him, then he's got to come back? We can, <laughs> that's not what the verse is about. God was not the one who left. He is constant. You may turn your back on God, but he never turns his back on you. He's reliable and he's constant. And I love what it says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. He doesn't just stay where he is, he comes to you in your pain, in your hurt, in your suffering, in your tears, and He comes to you because He is a met. He is faithfulness. Yahweh, Yahweh, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loyal love and faithfulness.
He is constant. He is the rock of our salvation. He is dependable. And His character is consistent. And when you draw back to God, He will come to you right where you are. I love how Michael is like trying to hide out like he does. You can't see me. I'm invisible right now. Can I just say Michael and Lucky? You need to hear, I'll tell you what, you need to talk about faithfulness. Talk about people who, some of the most strongest people, you know, they're one of the strongest people I know when you hear the story and what they've been through. There's so many people in this room. You are so strong. Seriously, when I hear your stories, my heart bleeds. And, but you're like, but God is faithful. All I can think is but God. But God. Some of the strongest people that I know are in this room right now. And as we have communion together, we can trust them. And Jesus said, this, this bread is my body and this cup represents my blood. So Jesus is here physically with us. And wherever you are in, in your sorrow, in your pain, in your distress, when you draw near to him, he's faithful. And he will draw near to you. And he makes a covenant with you. He says, this bread is my body, broken for you. Let us eat and remember Jesus. The same way he takes the cup and says, this, is my, this represents my blood that was poured out for you. That he loved you so much, God is faithful, he's compassionate, he's gracious, steps into his creation and in the fullness of Jesus. He dies to set you free. So let us drink the memory of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you are faithful. Thank you, Lord, that you're building something inside of us that we say yes and amen. It is truth. That through life, things are tough and it's not easy. But you are with us. That when we find ourselves in the middle of a storm, you are there. And Lord, may we follow you because you know the way out. Because you are compassionate. You are gracious. You are slow to anger, bounding in loyal love. And you are faithful. Father, we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Come and give a hand for the Lord wherever you are. Praise God.